0: hello and welcome back to another episode of under the lights it's only a week and a half to go until the big kickoff and this episode we're going to be focusing firmly on the transfer market and we've got ourselves a guest my name's tom murray my name's Callum
1: wilson and this is under the lights So, just a week and a half until the season kicks off. That's come around really quickly since the Euros. And uh, and we're well into the transfer window, which obviously goes all the way until the end of the month, past the start of the season. And we've got a guest on. We've got um, Tom Leach from Hampshire Live, who is uh, busier in the summer than, uh, than you are during the season. That might be uh, fair to say, Tom.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean... We were speaking a little bit off air before we hit record here. And, and yeah, the, the the summer is, yeah, you're just chasing so many things at once. You spend your life on WhatsApp trying to find out things here and there. And yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward. I mean, I do, I do enjoy it. I've got to be honest. It is fun and it's it's good to call it a job. But um, I, I do look forward to when the window's done and we get to talk about football and speak to the manager and, you know, right about the games as opposed to what's happening behind the scenes but um yeah no it's all good fun and i also understand that you know fans love it to be honest even the fans that that moan about it they love moaning about it so i think we all really enjoy the summer in a way so it's always good
0: to like just to speculate who could possibly be joining, who could be leaving. I suppose it fills that gap of actual football happening in the summer when you're thinking, well, what do I fill my time with? And then as the transfer window comes around, you're thinking, yes, this is it's not actual football being played, but I'm getting excited or I'm not looking forward to the season. But I think, uh, yeah, once that once it it, it all kicks off and uh, September comes around, you can think ah this is now we can get into the actual nitty-gritty of it so thank you very much for for joining us today if you want to find tom on twitter you can find him at tom leach hl so obviously hampshire live i think you've been covering saints this is your second season covering saints is that correct it is yes yeah yeah so how'd you get into it well
2: uh, yeah just shed some light on uh the the path to path to that it's a, it's a bit of a strange story really so I came out of college and I didn't really know what I was going to do with myself, to be honest. Um, I ended up working in Coventry at the Rico Arena selling hot dogs during match days, okay? So I'd always... What we used to do, obviously, the hot dog place would shut at halftime, and you could go and watch the rest of the game was a little, little trick that we used to do. I don't know if I was allowed to do it, but it's what I used to do. Um, and I'd always noticed there were, there were a kind of a media section where there were journalists sat writing and, and talking about football and I thought okay, well, that's got to be something that you can do. Um, I got in touch with Coventry's media manager at the time because I, I, I saw it and I kind of thought, look, I, I know there's Sky Sports and there's BBC and there's people that write and talk about football, but there's got to be people that work for the football club um, who get to hang around with the players all the time and help them with this and, and write about this and film this. So I got in touch with Coventry City and said, how do I do your job, basically? I said to the press officer and he said, I went to this university, I did this course, and... Um, So I applied for it. Uh, I went to Huddersfield and did sports journalism. Um, The press officer at Cov told me, when you get to your third year, let me know and you can do a placement with us. Um, Got to my third year, did a placement with Coventry City. um, Ended up working there um, for a season. They got promoted out of League Two, won the playoff Wembley final. It was so good. Um, In the dressing room with the players, spraying champagne at them. They were spraying champagne at me. It was honestly unbelievable. Um, But while I was working at Cov, I, I... kind of saw the other side of things that you could be a reporter working for you know the BBC or Sky or a paper and you could write about the club that way and I think that just really kind of caught my eye as something that was essentially doing what I was already building my skills to do but yeah it was just and it it seemed a little bit more exciting um I kind of felt like when that season at Cov was done and I'd had the the Wembley final day and everything I kind of thought as far as working in club media goes that's pretty much as good as it gets really isn't it so I could probably stay and do this for another 20-odd years uh, or I could try something new. So that's when I got into this. I ended up writing about Nottingham Forest, Notts County, Coventry City, uh, Shrewsbury Town, Wolves. I've done so many clubs considering I'm still early 20s. But um, yeah, and then a year ago, I think it was a year ago last week or a year ago, two weeks ago, I got offered the chance to, to move over and do Southampton. So it was a new website, um, Hampshire Live. They'd never had a Southampton reporter before. So they basically told me... Um, you know, we've got no print, it's just a website. Come down here and do whatever you want to do. Um, and that seemed like a really good opportunity to come down and cover a football club and just do it how I want to do it. So, yeah, really exciting. And I've actually, I've loved the year. It's been really good.
1: Just off, off the back of that, I've just, I've just thought, so it, it's, it's a relatively new uh, company and concept. How did you manage to uh, get yourself into a uh, presser with Gareth Southgate? Because I tweeted you that, that I'd heard um i was listening to it and i said oh tom leach from hampshire live and i thought oh ma- amazing how's he managed to get into that how does that come about
2: um the worst bit is i called him mate and i didn't even think about it. I, mean, <laughs> I speak we speak to ralph hasn't it was so often i speak to ralph twice a week um so you get used to just saying like, maybe it's just the way i talk. you get used to just saying mate all the time and then uh, look in these press conferences especially the zoom ones you're sat there waiting in in an in-person press conference, which obviously I've done a thousand of them before Southampton, you you know when your questions come in. Normally there's kind of a pattern to it. You go, you know the guys that are in front of you, you know when it's probably your turn, you know what you're where you are in the hierarchy really in the room. In the Zoom ones, it's 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 random. So you can be sat there, you, you might have just had a text, you can be on your phone replying to a text and then all of a sudden it's your turn, you pop up on the big screen. So yeah, with the with the England one, I kind of popped up and I didn't didn't brace myself for it and I called in May. I think I thought I was talking to Ralph for a minute. I don't know what was going on. But um yeah, that was just, look, I said, potentially Danny Ings, and this was before the squad announcement, so potentially Danny Ings, potentially James Ward-Prowse, um, could have been in the England squad. So I, I, I emailed the FA and just said, is there any chance I can speak to Gareth before it? And they said, um, yeah, join the press conference and we'll make sure that you get a question. So I thought, okay, that was, that awesome. was easier than I thought. Um, obviously, I got the backing of, of Hampshire Live, who were owned by Reach, who control, you know, Liverpool, Echo, Manchester, even in New the Mirror. So... You know, that there is that that obviously helps the situation. But yeah, it was it was easier than I thought it would be. I ended up in quite a lot of the press conferences, but um yeah, once once Prowsey wasn't in the squad anymore, it, I felt like I was taking someone else's question away from them. So I, I didn't ask for any questions in those, but it was good just to sit and listen to them to be fair, especially after the England games.
0: Yeah, what an absolutely fantastic opportunity. And one one thought that's actually just come to mind is if last year was your first year covering Saints. That is a strange year to start covering a Premier League football club. How was it? It just sat in empty
2: stadiums, well, for the vast majority of the time. Well, it was true. I was doing Coventry last season, and that was during the whole... For those who don't know what happened, what happened with Coventry last season, they got promoted without playing their last 15 games of the season. They they played, unlike the Premier League, which waited and came back for Project Restart. Um, League One didn't. It never came back. So that was strange. When I think back to... That February time, um, just before coronavirus, I remember going to uh, so Coventry play Birmingham. Obviously, Coventry play, 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 not anymore, but that season they played in Birmingham and they got Drew in the cup at home to Birmingham. So they were playing the home team who were then away, but they were away, but they okay. were at home. It was a mess. Um, so the stadium was packed and that was that was February time. Um, I think that was the last game I've been to that was, that was full because straight after that, we had the whole, well, we had lockdown, football stopped. And then obviously ended up coming over to start with Hampshire Live at Southampton. And the most fans I've seen at a game, apart from the West Ham game, the last game of the season, which was obviously away, is 2,000. So I've, I've not seen St Mary's yet full. I've not heard, I'll oh, when the Saints with a full stadium, I've, I've, I've heard none of that. So that's probably what I'm looking forward to most when the season starts. There's also so many fans who I speak to on Twitter and speak to in the direct messages who I'll hopefully get to meet now um yeah. you haven't been allowed to come to games which is obviously so strange and even just some of the contacts that that you build up when you're covering a football club and you speak to all the time and they help you out with this and they give you info on this and that i've never met a lot of them which is just so strange because it's just it, it's probably been the strangest introduction to a club you could ever imagine because you know i mentioned at the start of the podcast all the different clubs i've covered you you go to the games, you go to the youth games, you get to meet people. That's how you build the contacts. You speak to them, you get to know them. I've had to do it all kind of virtually, which has been really strange. Um, so I guess it's probably made the process a lot slower. I'm probably not getting as many stories as I normally would at this point um, covering a club. But yeah, I guess you just got just had to kind of do what I can in a way.
1: Yes, you know everyone's in the same position as well, though, mm-hmm. Tom. Um, just, I just wanted to ask you for, for, our listeners because we see the kind of end products of what a journalist does we see when transfer of rumors come about uh a tweet that might come out when you're confident or semi-confident that something is is sort of legitimate we're just wondering if you could give us an, an idea of the process that leads up to that you know when do things gather pace when do you maybe first hear about them are there? Do you have to wait until a certain source or sources, which you don't have to disclose, obviously, uh, sort of give you the, the heads up and maybe maybe an example of ones that you've done before? It doesn't have to be with Southampton. Can be with with previous clubs where you've maybe heard something and got onto it early, and it either has or hasn't come to fruition. Because I'm sure you constantly see names being thrown around here, there, and everywhere, and by some journalists, sometimes they're. Uh, complete rubbish but sometimes there's real traction behind it
2: yeah it's it's a lot of double sourcing in a way so you know you build up these contacts, but you you end up with a load of contacts basically and you obviously by speaking to them and seeing what comes to fruition over time you know which ones are more trustworthy than others and you you do hear a lot of names and a lot of them never come to anything that's that's definitely true Um, I guess just double sourcing has been the thing that I've always kind of stuck by, you know, if you hear it from more than one place, you can normally, you know, you start to, I I guess you get a gut feeling with a lot of stories. You know, that one adds up. That makes sense from what Ralph's told me with this. And there's also three or four people now who are talking about this, who are all, you know, quite well connected. Um, Most stories that I don't think people realize, most stories are checked with the club. That's not so much just me. That's just in general. That's, That's me using examples from covering Coventry or Wolves or Shrewsbury. You know, you can always check these things with people. Um, at the end of the day the club I guess one of the one of the challenges of the transfer window and one of the reasons I don't like it that much personally and I know there's some journalists who love it and it's their bread and butter and they can't wait for the summer to come round um, ultimately the club don't want a lot of these names that are out there to be out there too early because we heard Ralph speak a little bit last season about players who they are looking at and they're making progress with, their name gets out there and then all of a sudden there's another club involved because their names got out there and Clubs that maybe didn't realise that player was was available, they're now interested, and it's it's clubs that Southampton can't compete with. So sometimes in this job, you even find out with, you even find out names of players who you you don't really want to put out there because uh, potentially that could that could ruin things. And you don't want to do that. At the end of the day, when you cover a football club, especially in the position that I'm in, covering a, f- a football club for a local site, um, you, you you do have the club's best interests at heart. So I mean, you end up kind of being a supporter for the club in a weird way even though you're, you're not you're, you're in a professional environment it's strange but um, yeah in terms of the fact that you see the finished article it's normally been checked by source after source after source and if I can't guarantee if I can't confirm it it doesn't go out a good example is trialist story that I did today um, we might speak about him later on I'm not too sure but um, Abdul Abdul Malik who's been released by Millwall they tried really hard to keep him he's been on trial pretty much here there and everywhere uh, linked with Arsenal Watford not sure. I mean, I know that he's been on trial at Watford. I'm not sure how serious the Arsenal interest really is. I don't know if it's his agent trying to blow it up a little bit, but he played against AFC Totten the, uh, last weekend. Um, looked good. He, he looked really good. He scored two goals. Um, I was 99.9% sure that it was him from the videos and the pictures that I saw from the game. If it weren't him, he's got a twin, basically. Um, that's something that one of his old managers said to me uh, when I sent him the picture over. Um but I didn't run it until I had it confirmed basically that it definitely was him because I've got no interest in getting things wrong. Sometimes you can be the quickest one to it and you get it wrong, but it's always better to be, you know, even if you're fourth or fifth quickest, but you know it's right. And that's something that I think fans have probably seen a lot from me. A lot of, you know, as per this report, as I understand it, that report is true, as opposed to me breaking things first. Um, yeah, I'm definitely more keen on making sure that I get it right, even if I'm a little bit later. So hopefully that's given a little bit of insight, even if I've just probably waffled for quite a long time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you and you'll and as you mentioned, when you're you're 99% sure, you'll just give your contact at the club a message or a call and just say, the guy's got the trialist one, as he was known, to um AFC Totten, is it this guy? And if they give you the thumbs up, then then you you can run the story from there.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's that's I mean sometimes there's stories where you're never gonna get the thumbs up. I mean a story that I broke um last season was um, I've basically had a tip-off from a few different places during a game, actually. I can't remember which game it was um, that that Ryan Bertrand had, had been to see the club and he told them that he wouldn't be signing that contract. Um, that's probably never going to get the thumbs up from the club themselves, as you can imagine, because it's quite a sensitive story. Um, but the contacts that it came from, very close to... to the deal and um, yeah no reason they'd lie let me put it like that there's no reason that they would that they would lie so that's the kind of thing you're never going to get the thumbs up with um, but normally I mean things like a trialist we spoke a little bit then about how um, you know sometimes you don't want to scupper a deal sometimes the club don't want people to know who the trialist is but had he not played in that AFC Totten game had he not been on camera scoring those goals probably wouldn't have run the story but I guess he's out there now it only takes someone who can get a picture of him and watch the video to see that it is clearly him.
0: And, well, now you've been uh, covering Saints for just over a year, you've very quickly become sort of a a source of information. Um, So, obviously, we've, we've had quite a lot of interaction and excitement about this episode because it is very deep into the transfer window. There's a lot to discuss. Let's start with... Uh, The most recent signing, Tino Livramento, that one came about very, very quickly. But I think you wrote in an article, this has actually been in the offing since about March, was it?
2: Well, it's been, the interest has been there for a long time. Um, And that's not just Southampton. There's been a lot of clubs who've been interested for a long time because his situation has been quite well publicised, really. Um, It became very clear to Chelsea, it seems, that he wasn't going to sign that new deal. Um, because the deal they offered him to stay was really good, why wouldn't an 18-year-old sign that at one of the well at the best football club in Europe at the minute? They won the Champions League. Um, it became pretty clear that him. There was also um, Miles Per Harris. There was also Lewis Bate. Uh, there was also Daniel Simeon as well, um, who's ended up at Southampton. Um, Who all have been turning down these deals lately. So it's kind of become clear that Chelsea are having a bit of a problem at the minute convincing their academy kids that they're going to get football anytime soon. I think with I think with Tino Livramento, there's obviously Rhys James, who isn't old in any way. He's going to be in that position for a long time. Um, I noticed in the Southampton press release, it said that Tino can play on the left. I mean, I don't know if he's done that that often. I looked on his, obviously, I've not seen much Chelsea under 18s football, um, but looking on his transfer market, he's pretty much exclusively played on the right so far, it seems, um, since he kind of got to 16 onwards. Um, be that right back or right wing so he's probably going to be on the right um, so you know if Rhys James is there it's going to be a long old wait for him to play for Chelsea or he's going to have to prove that he's pretty good out on loan somewhere I think it's maybe the Jaden Sancho effect it's maybe Jude Bellingham as well as having a bit of an impact on this showing how young they can perform at, at top levels That's just making these academy players think to themselves well why can't I do it now especially if you've got you know Brighton Southampton I think like were mentioned um, saying, you know, come over here, play here, and you can potentially be fighting for, for first-team opportunities straight away. He's going to be part of what is looking like it's going to be about a 22-25-man to 25 man squad, and that's great for an 18-year-old to be in that environment. He's been told that he won't be doing what Simeo is doing. He won't be going down to the, to the 23s. Um, he can be with the first-team group straight away. So, yeah, um, clearly really appealing for him. So, it, the interest has been there for a long time, um, but it it has been a pretty whirlwind. I mean, what what day are we on now? Last kind of four days of it coming from near enough nothing to getting the deal done very quick, which is probably why there wasn't an awful lot of reports from all the different Southampton sources that you guys have about him, really, until it appeared, because I got a tip-off over the weekend. Um, it was actually during the game. I normally, I, for some reason, I get most of my tip-offs during games. For um <laughs> that something exciting was happening um, and the club were very happy about what they'd just done. And you kind of sit back and you think, right, so it's either this, that. Is it Ingsy? Is it, you know, Vestergaard? Is it a new deal for someone? Is it? Is it Brandon Williams? Because the last I heard on Brandon Williams was that it was kind of going nowhere at the minute. Um, Adam Armstrong, I know that Blackburn want a lot of money for him, um, probably more than Southampton can pay right now. Um, so... I really didn't know what it would be, and I thought this is going to be an awful letdown if this is the new, the new kit, and this is what I'm <laughs> really excited about, so yeah, um, I knew something was coming, and then obviously Adrian's story at the mail, um, he's got brilliant Southampton connections, he, uh, he kind of let the cat out of the bag, and then, you know, as soon as I checked with a few sources, as soon as that story was out, it pretty much got the thumbs up from everywhere, so I knew we could run with it, uh, and then you can start talking numbers and finding out, you know, the situation to the deal, so yeah. It's, it has been in the offer for a long time, but it still has been, it still has kind of gone from zero to 100 pretty quick over the space of a weekend.
0: I suppose that's going to be the case when, you know, they're so excited and want to keep it under wraps. They're thinking this is a major coup for the club. We don't want to let anyone have an inkling that Brighton have been gazumped, as it were, because it looked as though Brighton were se- going to seal the deal. And a lot of clubs may have thought, well, that's that, then he's pretty much nailed on to go there. And then suddenly if a club is going, actually, we've managed to persuade him, then you might start yourself a little bit of a bidding war if that gets out. So does that spend um, spell the end for Jan-Valerie?
2: I think that's a really interesting one. It's something I wrote about this morning. Um, look, all, all we can, I've not asked any questions about Jan-Valerie um, since since Liv Romento w- was confirmed, but... All we can look at is what Ralph said earlier on in pre-season. Um, he kind of said he wants Lamina, he wants Long, he wants Valerie, he wants Obafemi because he needs a big squad. Um, I think it'd be strange now if you let him go. I know there's there's people like Jay Vokins who have gone and Kane Ramsey who have gone, but that's for their own development. Um, if Valerie's ever going to be ready, he's probably going to be ready quite soon. Um, so I think it'd be strange if they let him go now because it'd shrink the squad by one. Um, but yeah, as you say, I mean... I think it's going to be something they'll discuss over the next month, um, whether they let him go out on loan again. Um, for me, I think Birmingham City seemed... Ast- I think Southampton picked their loan clubs really well. Um, I think they've picked Dan O'Lunderloo's club really well. Um, I know Vokins. I know Jake was Jake was really excited about going to Scotland. Um, to most, I think to most English fans, they think, oh, he's going to Scotland. But he was really excited about Scotland because the standard isn't poor at all. Um, and you've got Celtic, you've got Rangers, you've got full stadiums up there. It's going to be really good for him. Um, it's a shame about his injury, but his surgery, I'm told, yesterday it, it went really well. So hopefully he'll be back soon. But I think they normally pick their loan clubs really well. I don't think Birmingham was that that good a pick for Jan Valery. I think they could probably do probably have found one better there. But ultimately, you never really know who the offers are going to be. But when that happened in January, it it just seemed so hectic with the fullbacks of what was going to happen. I I spoke to Ralph, and it was a case of no fullbacks are going to leave. Um, then Vokins left. And then there was a Then there was a fullback coming in, and then that was Brandon Williams. And then that didn't happen. United basically said no late on in the window. Southampton was scrambling for, for someone else. Um, I got told on deadline day, Jan Valery does not leave unless we get a fullback. Jan valerie left. We didn't get a fullback. So <laughs> I, I think it was just a chaotic last week of the transfer window. And hopefully something they've they've learned from. And I'm su- I'm sure it is something they've learned from. I think I think the club are actually very very good in that um, in that field. Um, with, with the limited budgets they've got and the, and the kind of restraints they're put under. Um, I think Valerie has got... I spoke to um, uh, Raddy Jayidi recently about some of the young players because he knows them better than anybody. Um, he's a really good person to speak to if you want some insight on, on the younger players. And he thinks valerie has got what it takes. He thinks Vokins has too. He thinks they're players who... Maybe it will take a few more years to develop. We've got Liv Remendo, who's very close to first-team level at 18, not everyone can be like that. Like Teller, I think a lot of people forget that Teller's 22 now. And I know he's had his injury, but, you know, he's a player who's really going to be at, at the level about 24, 23 um, to really make a big impression in the Premier League. It might take Volkens to that point. It might take Valerie to that point. Um, but I think Valerie has something to offer. Um, there's, I, I think something I mentioned earlier too, the interesting point of the press release with Livramento is that, that line about how he can play on the right or the left. They might be thinking of him as a left-back, I don't know what ralph has got in his head at the moment with Livermento. Maybe they're thinking of him as a left-back cover and Valerie will stay as the right-back cover or they'll both cover both. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think, well, we know a decision will be made this month as to whether he stays or goes, but I think what's interesting, if they decide to let him go, will it be loan or permanent? Because I think if he goes out loan again, I'm not too sure how he can find a way back, especially if Livermento does so well. Look, Kyle walker is going to be here for a long time. We know that and we know how good he is, so yeah, and then there's obviously... He played as a number 10 against Liverpool at one point last season. He, look, he looked all right in that position. I'm sure you would agree. He looked quite good. Maybe there's that. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think we'll have to see over the next kind of three weeks.
1: It's an interesting point you make and it's just something I've jotted down here because it's it's obvious in terms of the squad and the talk for numerous transfer windows that we've been like in the fullback department for both sides. And with the, the likes of Brandon Williams, Nico Williams we've been looking at we've got Perro in as a direct replacement first team left back uh when Bertrand left we've got Carl Walker-Peters such is the budget restraint and and with with the club that the the general consensus is that we're looking for a player that can cover both so we have a, a backup fullback but one that can cover injury or, or suspension on either side interesting So you say that Livermento doesn't seem to have, from what you could tell, and same same from what I've seen, doesn't seem to have much experience on the left-hand side. And that would then suggest that we have three right-backs and the Anne-Valerie could either be moved further forward, as has been um, suggested before, or, as you mentioned, could could leave the club either permanently or on loan. Um, The other side of things, I guess, is although ideally they'd like a player who has already played on the left and the right, when the opportunity comes up to get someone like Liveramento, and it's been touted that he's one of the prime targets for Haasenertel, and the manager was a big reason in why he came, then that—not Scupper's plans, but Ralph's very much about coaching and teaching young players and developing them. And if he has assets that he sees in Liveramento to, to have him play on maybe either side. Um, then that's that's an interesting one. I mean, Carl Walker Peters could be someone that he could see filling in over at left back if need be, and playing livermental on the right. Um, just just before we move on from from the, the fullback discussion, there's a lot of talk about the reason why we ended up pipping Brighton um, was because they weren't too sure on on the buyback clause that Chelsea wanted to put in, and we've heard some numbers flying around but anywhere between 25 and 40 million do you have any tips or any you know and, and you don't have to be completely sure on this but have you heard anything in terms of what what the agreement is in terms of a, a fee if uh, if that was included
2: it, it is a number i know that it's not a percentage or anything or there's, there's nothing that changes the number i think it is one in one specific number i've not been told what the number is the only thing i've been told on that is that it is a, a very high multiple of the five that they've spent on him. And it was a number that, that I mean, obviously, they were always going to, no one wants to put that in a deal. Ideally, you wouldn't have that in a deal. And then you can negotiate your own price if Chelsea want it back. But, but the only thing I've been told is that it is a number that once they saw it, they kind of didn't hesitate. They thought, okay, that's fine. You know, it's, it's a big number, it's a lot more than the 25. Um, that's around but I've also noticed that where that 25 has been mentioned it's always been mentioned as above 25 which I know doesn't narrow it down a lot because there's a lot of numbers above 25 um, but it's, it's a long way above 25 um, I don't think we're going as far as 50 I think the club would have probably shouted about it quite a lot if it was that high um, but you can probably imagine it's between those two um, and, and a lot more than 25 it, it's a number that they didn't hesitate out when they saw it just while we're talking about fullbacks too um, I've just seen it's just been confirmed that Will Ferry signed a new deal um, he's someone that during January Ralph said the club are really looking to move to be a left back um, he's played a lot of games at left wing back for the for Saints B so whether he's someone who steps in new deal obviously a lot of faith in him um, I, I've heard nothing about him going out on loan um, and they normally announce those, those two together but whether he will um, there's always going to be interesting players like that so whether he goes somewhere in League 2 or League 1 maybe um, but yeah there, there's, there's obviously a big number three shirt that's left wide open so um also there's two loan spots as well two premier league loan spots they can go for so you know there's a lot of um a lot of riggle room there if they do want another fullback
1: it's a nice nice exclusive we'll have to get this one out nice and early tom <laughs> no World i think it's, i think it's already out there <laughs> It's a new deal um yeah so that question uh, on on jan valerie was from at ollie and we've got another one which is an interesting one from at mporter123 uh, regarding a position that we haven't heard too much about in terms of transfer rumours, but is up in the air in terms of who starts. And that's the, the number one shirt. Um, obviously, McCarthy and Forster kind of took it in turns in the second half of last season. Um, there have been talks of an offer of a new contract for Forster. There's been talk of interest from Celtic. Do you have any indication or any thoughts on who might go in as, as the number one at the start of the sis, uh, season and, and also any updates on on where we are with, with Forster? Uh,
2: I think it's probably, I think it probably is going to stay as a bit of a fight, which is, I mean, it's it's a strange one. It's not something that I've really seen that often at the start of the season, but everything Ralph says to us seems to be that it's going to be them two fighting for positions. Um, but there's still pre-season games to go. I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes against these uh, these two Spanish teams because we saw a mistake from McCarthy against um, Swansea that wasn't punished, but he got tackled in his own six-yard box and Jan Bednarak came back and saved the day. Um, Forster's looked good, uh, but I think McCarthy's... If you could mix the two together, you'd have a really good goalkeeper. I think Forster's <laughs> so good between the posts, but McCarthy's feet, he's, he's really good with his feet, Alex McCarthy. Um, delivery, distribution, all of that so yeah, I think it will be a fight from the start of the season uh, probably edging towards, towards McCarthy um, at the moment, uh, but in terms of Forster's situation um, yeah, he's been, I know he's been invited to stay, so there will be talks about him staying longer than he, than he is currently here, um, you obviously hear a lot about, about the wages that he's on um, whether they'll have to drop as he gets a little bit older Maybe that's why negotiations haven't gone so smoothly already. Um, look, there, there probably was interest from Celtic. We've seen that Celtic have got uh, Joe Hart now, so they've been scouring the market for a goalkeeper. Um, I never heard anything concrete about any interest from them, but it, I mean, it adds up, it makes sense. Um, yeah, I think, um, we've got an interesting contract situation with the two goalkeepers because, as far as I understand it, McCarthy's agreed a new deal beyond what he's already got. Um, not been announced by the club but we had something similar with Jack Stevens midway through last season where Jack Stevens is out of contract as well next summer Um, I mean as far as I understand it that's kind of agreed to that he stays longer than he's here but we've had no announcement yet from the club and I guess until we hear that announcement we can't presume it's all done and signed um, even if everything that's telling us is that it is done Um, so I think maybe there's a little bit more longevity with, with McCarthy in goal few more seasons maybe out of him might be how ralph sees the situation but in terms of the start of this season i am fully anticipating them to keep trading places a little bit
1: and with uh and with both of them potentially being offered deals to stay longer doesn't sound like they're that's a position that ralph's too interested in investing any of of the limited budget uh, going forward he, he's not sure who's the number 1 but in his in his eyes you know they're they're both good enough and it's about fighting out to see uh, to see who's who's the
2: better option. Yeah, he's, he's named a lot of positions that he wants to strengthen, uh, and he definitely does. I think if Southampton look for a goalkeeper, it'll be a younger option. I'm still a little bit surprised, to be honest. I know I don't know whether fans would agree with this fully, but that the Angus Gunn was the one who was kind of moved on, especially on loan last season, uh, that he was the one that was moved on. I just look at his move to Norwich City, and I just think they've got Tim Krull, who's ageing. When he comes to his end of his Norwich career, it's probably going to be Angus Gunn that steps in. He's only 25 now. He may be 26, um, but, but he's only young. He's got so many years left in him. Um, and also, I wouldn't put it past... I mean, there's, there's clauses in that deal that make it rise uh, to 10 million. Um, some of those clauses, never going to happen. I've seen a few of them and it's never going to happen. <laughs> um, but there, there's clauses in there that, you know, an England call-up. And I look at England's current crop of goalkeepers and beyond Pickford, I don't think it's a, it's a million miles away from McCarthy or even Forster. Is he, he's, he's aging, or or even Angus Gunn to end up being a third keeper for a camp? Or you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's past them. There's not that many young English goalkeepers really, besides maybe Dean Henderson. Um,
1: but yeah, you can go can go one of two ways. can Kind of with being in, in goal for a team who's just got promoted. If if he does find himself as the number one, he can either be picking the ball out the back of his net a lot. Or he could have a really good season because they're bound to face a lot of shots. I mean, seeing what's happened with um, Aaron Ramsdale and he's been relegated two seasons on the bounce, and and he was he was there by hook or by crook, uh, come the Euros. So yeah, there are definitely options. But Ralph definitely um, looking to to try and strengthen other positions as a priority. Yeah, I suppose rather than looking at it as us having no goalkeepers, he's looking at it as, as us having two and uh, as far as I'm aware in the rules you can't play them both between the sticks even though combined they would be a pretty good goalkeeper. Um, let's, let's change lanes a little bit because uh, um, we might not have to go into uh, one of these players uh, for too long because I'm sure Ralph's had enough of hearing about it from the likes of you guys and I'm sure you have as well um, but in terms of players that the fans in the club don't want to lose, But have they're both differing? I mean, one more recently is James Ward-Prowse and the rejected uh, initial bid, we believe to be about 25 million from Aston Villa. But then the one that that won't go away until a deal is signed or he leaves on a free or he is he is bought is Danny Ings. But that one seems to have seemed to be talked up a lot more during the season. And as soon as the window's opened no one's really put in any, any concrete interest. But then what we're hearing with the whole Harry Kane situation at the moment, I wonder if that might move things along mm-hmm. in terms of Spurs. Uh, what what are your brief thoughts on on both of those situations? And I, I imagine with Danny Ings, we don't really want to go into it for too long because uh, we're all repeating ourselves, aren't we?
2: No, well, look, I think you can learn a lot from the way the market is at the moment, by the way that, that Ralph talks about Adam Armstrong. So you've got, A player there who has a year left on his deal he's worth a lot of money um, but that's the only thing that clubs don't have at the minute is money Um, so no one's prepared to pay the fee that Blackburn think he's worth Um, that leaves him unable to move unable to leave so he runs down his contract then he leaves for free Um, you could pretty much say exactly the same there about Danny Ings but just swap some words in there Um, you know he's got a year left on his deal um, no club at the moment with a year left on his deal, I don't think he's going to pay what he's worth to Southampton um, because ultimately, I mean why would you in a way? You're potentially going to get a player for free in 11 months' time um, he's only going to be 29 when that comes around, he's still going to be relatively young you could still get a few years out of him and you'd be, you'd be doing it for free, I know the wages make, never makes a Premier League player free but um but you're getting him ahead of a lot cheaper than having to pay, you know, 25, 30 million to Southampton who have only got 11 months left on him. Um, I think, yeah, um, it, it, he's been offered to stay. The same The same is true with Vestergaard. Um, as far as I understand it, there's been no offers, no approaches, no talks with any club for Ings, Vestergaard. Um, there's there's obviously talks with some of the younger players and some of the fringe players, loan clubs and potentially offers elsewhere. Um People like Ferry um, offers in the lower league for loan loan clubs and, and and things like that. But with with the big guns, the only offer that has come in is that one for Ward Prowse, and it was rejected immediately. um I think we all know what we think of a twenty five million pound offer for him, especially when he's got so long left on his deal four four years left on his deal, I think, till twenty twenty five. So he's worth a lot more than that. Um, I think with Ward Prowse, it's one of those situations where look, every every player's got every player's got their price. Um there's no player in world football who you couldn't buy if you put enough money on the table. It is I think it is just a case that I don't think there's anybody in the Premier League this summer who probably has enough money besides maybe Manchester City or any of the real big clubs to really buy out James Ward-Prowse and get him out of his deal. Um he's just so important to Southampton that I said this on on um, on another podcast a few weeks ago about James Ward-Prowse and the best way I can describe how important he is to Southampton is after that defeat against Leicester City uh, at Wembley in the FA Cup semi-final he and Ralph stood on the pitch for maybe 40 minutes after the game we were sat with our laptops ready waiting for the press conference and we were like, we, we want to go home, come on Ralph he was stood out on the pitch with James Ward-Prowse for about 40 minutes after the game going through everything I mean, I don't know what they were talking about but they were talking for a long time and it, it was—it looked like a pretty intense debate about what went wrong um, that's how important he is. Uh, we've seen the pictures from from the Liberty Stadium stadium of him sat on the bench watching the game. Um, he's like one of the coaches, and he's he's 26 years old, um, and he's the club captain. He's so important. He's he's the most important player at the club, and it would take honestly an astronomical bid for Southampton to ever change their tune on that. Um, the difference you got with the other guys is they've only got 11 months left on their deal, so. You know, it, it comes to a point where you have to make a business decision of how much 11 months of that. If you don't think he's going to sign, how much you think 11 months of him is, is worth. Um, but, you know, the noises we've always heard is that there's confidence that they'll sign. Um, more so with Danny Ings, I think there's confidence that he'll sign because he's, he's got a pretty good gig here. He's on a lot of money. He's been offered a big deal. Um, and he's been offered a big deal where he can stay, you know, where he's from play for a Premier League club, banging a lot of goals. He's going to play 90 minutes every week. So there's confidence there. Um, but obviously until we see a pen touching the paper, anything can happen.
1: It's interesting to, with with Danny Ings, the, the talk has been that, obviously he loves it here. And the only reason he would leave is to go to a real big club to win some trophies. We're talking to Man City, and Man United, someone in the top four. Right now, they seem to be interested in, in other players. Obviously, Man City have an invested interest in, in Kane. They also have an interest in Grealish. You just wonder if once one of those deals go through, if they could, if it could suddenly kind of liven up a bit. And especially, you know, if Grealish went and Aston Villa suddenly had £100 million and am really serious about James ward how much of that might they offer? If Harry Kane w- went to Man City and Spurs suddenly had a lot of money, you know, I'm hearing that Kane's uh, that that Ings, you know, potentially wouldn't be too interested in, in playing in the uh, Europa Conference as it is. But I, I yeah, you, know, you, you never know. Once you know, money money can talk. So, but Saints have put on a, a, a great deal. So it, it it seems like with Ings, it might be a case that I mean, Man United don't they seem pretty content with the striking options they've got. Man City, or after someone else, it might be that. And Ralph has said it. We're, we're quite, you know, we're he'll be here next season, whether he signed a contract or, or not. And it might get to the end of of that season, and one of the bigger clubs says, "You know what? We might as well take him on a free, pay his wages, and he's an option for us." But the but it all seems to hinge on on Man City in in a way, because I think if those deals go through, the money suddenly is flying through. Uh, at, at clubs like Tottenham and like Aston Villa, but Saints, you, you you often find that you know we won't leave it until the last minute. And if a, if a big offer did come in, and we're not, no one's available to replace the likes of of prowse or Rings, then um, then it'll be it'll be difficult to see anything really going through. You're just wondering, yeah, you know, three weeks after the season starts, you get to deadline day. Do you want to be in a position where? Yeah, we've got a load of money, but we've got nothing to spend it on, and it puts us in a tricky position to compete uh, next season. Tom.
2: Yeah, I think the Manchester this Manchester City thing is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, obviously, Harry Kane has made his point. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not inside anywhere. It's on him, but I've seen the, the tweets from journalists that are that apparently he will be back in training before the end of the week. And in his mind, he's made his point, and, and he'll he'll carry on training with the club. If he does leave, that's kind of what the market needs in a way. Um, speaking from a non-Southampton point of view, we've heard, as I said before, Ralph speaking about how there's no money in the market. That might inject some money into the market and then we might start start to see some money flowing around the clubs a little bit because that's what the clubs need. This would be like any other transfer window if there was money there, but there's just no money. Um, so we're seeing more and more of these bargain deals. Um, yeah, I, look, I, we've heard pr- they seem to be pretty confident on their stance because they say it so publicly that, that those players are not leaving. They've got contracts. They'll be here to the end of them. Um, I think it definitely is, as you say, more of a case of if things investigate the guard are going to leave, it'll probably be in 11 months' time as opposed to this summer. Um, they're just so important, and until that backup is signed, and even if even if they do get a deal for Adam Armstrong over the line before, before deadline day, um, I think he probably you wouldn't trust him to come in straight away, I don't think, and do a job. Um, a lot of championship experience, a lot of championship goals, but he may take time himself to to get used to the Premier League. And we've seen that with Che Adams. It'd kind of be a very similar deal to that. Che came in having scored a similar amount of goals in the second division um, and it took him a while to get going. So you definitely want to have a year of that. Um, but that's another thing to think about. If you're going to replace Danny Ings, you're better to do it while he's here as opposed to while he's gone because then clubs know that you're desperate and you're going to be willing to throw a lot of money at it.
0: With the deal for Adam, uh, the the reported attempt to try and get Adam Armstrong, there there was the rumor that we'd be willing to put Michael Obafemi as part of as part of the deal. Yet at the same time, he's being used, and a lot of fans are thinking this could be his breakthrough season. Do you think the Saints would rather keep Obafemi than go and get Armstrong, or would they happily get rid of a striker who looks like he has bulked up? He's got that extra yard of pace and looks like he could actually have a, a fairly decent season.
2: Yeah, look, I, don't, I don't know how much of this got out there, but back in January, uh, Michael club family very nearly left on loan um, to Swansea, I think it was, and then he had his injury and that completely halted that. Um, I know speaking to Ralph and, and a few other people at the club since then, he, he seems to have come back with maybe a, a bit of new hunger. Um, well, you hear it a lot with players, especially at his age, who they have a little injury spell out. And they sort of realise, you know, hang on a minute, I'm pretty lucky to be a Premier League footballer here and sitting on my bed waiting for my knee to heal isn't much fun. Um, and they come back with a little bit of hunger. Um, but whether Ralph's seen that in him and he thinks that he can offer something, probably. Because he's played a lot of minutes during pre-season, but at the same time, so has Shane Long. And, you know, maybe Shane Long will stay. We've not heard a definitive answer on, yeah, he's definitely going to go. You know, we, we, we kind of presumed he would based off his loan spell at the end of last season. Um, and it just seemed that there was really no way back for him. But, you know, if he can prove himself as an option over these next two games, then it's another squad player. He wants a bigger squad. And you never know who's going to get injured. We may be two weeks in and Che Adams and Danny Ings are both out injured. And then, you know, you're going to need Shane Long then if you've not signed an Adam Armstrong. So, you know, I think... I think uh, the the main thing I think that will stop a Michael Arbafemi deal is that firstly player swap deals are a lot harder to do than, than fans actually think because you, you're then talking personal terms with two players at once because you've got to get a deal that suits Michael and you've got to get a deal as well that suit Adam Armstrong if he came in and that can be a bit of a bit of a kind of plate spinning in a way and then you're trying to get terms with the two clubs over the line so they can be difficult to do anyway um, whether he could be used to drop the price. I know that that rumour first came about because it was kind of just speculated I think in a story maybe in the sun I'm not too sure just speculated that essentially the story was Southampton have some players they might not use they want a striker that club might want a striker when that striker moves over so it would make sense and I'm not sure there's actually too much in it um, but I mean I think he's kind of a player that Blackburn we, we know there was championship interest in January that's the point I was trying to make earlier and you know, that's probably the level you stepped down to. So, Swansea could be keen on that. But at the minute, I don't think there's going to be a swap deal. But this is one of the reasons why I say I don't like the summer too much. Because now that I've said that, that'll probably happen <laughs> tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yeah. a, lot can, a lot can hinge on whether Blackburn not, might not be interested in Obafemi. You know, we're mm-hmm. saying, oh, we, we'll take their striker and drop the price so they can have one of theirs. Well you know, they might, not, they might not be what they're after. Yeah, so if no, they're not interested think... in the player, then, then that's game over really for a swap deal.
2: Yeah, and I think a big thing with that is that Blackburn want money. Um, Above all, the last thing they want to do is drop the price of, of Adam Armstrong because there's also a huge sell-on fee to Newcastle. Yeah. So the more they drop the price and the more Southampton to put players in, you know, they're just making less money from the deal really because if they're... If they only sell him for 10 million, you know, they only get six. Um, they want more than that in their bank account after selling their 29-goal striker. So I think that'll be a big factor. Blackburn want money, and that's why they're talking such big numbers right now.
0: Now, we've had, obviously, we've got a, um, a lot of questions from listeners. So what we're going to do now is we've talked quite in-depth about potential outgoings, and you've mentioned the deal uh, any possible interest in adam armstrong um we're going to just sort of throw a few names at you now from the from listeners and just to see what um any any thoughts your own personal opinion whether you think this uh, this deal could could happen one that's come on twitter very recently is that of i think it's josh doidge from hibernian um i know that jack ross said that he was going to leave and i don't think at that time saints were really rumored to be linked with him yet the Saints section of Twitter seem to have jumped on that. Um, Is there anything in that at all or is that
2: just pure speculation at the moment? At the minute, I think it's probably pure speculation. Uh, But what I will say about players like him and players like Anthony Robinson at Fulham, uh, they're left-backs with what seems like it's going to be big futures. And if you sit down with Southampton and you let them explain to you their recruitment policy... Um, they tick every single box especially Josh, Josh Doidge he ticks every single box uh, I know that Southampton um, during the latter few months of last season uh, they had quite a lot of left backs on, on trial with the 23s um, similar ages to Josh Doidge. Um, one name completely has gone out of my head but he was a Leicester City youngster uh, another one was Sean Rogan from Lincoln uh, and there was a few others I think so They were 18, 19-year-olds. Josh George is a 19-year-old who it seems is going to be up for grabs for less than 5 million this summer. I think there was a Watford bid reported of 1.5 million that has made the Hibs chairman lose his head Um, Mm -hmm. because that's just not enough money. Um, But he's probably available for quite cheap and he's probably just a player that's excited a lot of fans because he fits the profile. I did a story probably a week ago. Some of the left-backs that do fit the profile um, didn't even think of putting tino Livermento in at the time because i thought he can't play on the left um but it seems from that statement that maybe josh doige or robinson or someone like that won't happen even if the three shirt is there um maybe won't happen if 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 Livramento is going to tick both boxes
1: that three shirt keeps uh, keeps cropping up though doesn't it, it was, it's strange it's not been given to anyone mm. yet It's um it, i think a lot of it like you said sometimes a deal that makes sense from a fan's point of view, from what we know, can can crop up and not have anything behind it. But a lot of fans can think, you know what, he is a really good player. They only want five million. We know that we're not looking to spend anything over 10. It all kind of makes sense. People start talking about it and it becomes a, a rumor in in quotation marks. Josh Storage is is one of those that's come up. And thanks to Stuart the Knight for asking that one. Another one that always seems to come up. Well, I'll throw both these names at you because um, they, they've come up, once. come up this, this window uh, because of, it is available apparently for that kind of fee. Uh, the second has come up pretty much ever since Ralph has, has joined us because of his connection. Um, DSB Sports Media has asked about Thomas Delaney at Borussia Dortmund. And then Sam Dathwaite has asked about Adamola Lookman, who is that player that Ralph obviously had uh, previously at Leipzig and, and both apparently available within budget. Um, but I've gone quiet recently. So, briefly, what do, what do, you, do you think those are, are options for the club? I know they've been talking about central midfield as a position that we want to strengthen.
2: Yeah, well, firstly, Lookman, I don't think. I think there's just too, there's too much competition already in that area that Luckman would be stepping into the squad with. It. If you're going to spend money, I don't think Southampton will sign any number 10s um, between now and August. When you list the players in that position, there's already so many. I know there was interest in, um, in bringing Minamino back. Um, that was more of a... That was during the kind of latter loan meetings with Liverpool where they speak about his progress. The question was kind of floated. You know, does he fancy coming back next season? Because we, we're quite happy with, with what we've seen. And we think he can do a lot more with us than he's done. Um, So that question was floated and Liverpool kind of uh, pushed that one back. I think that started the speculation that that Southampton wanted a winger, but I'm not, I I can't picture them signing a winger because, I mean, there's just so, there's already quite a good crop of wingers. What you're going to do with Stuart Armstrong and Nathan Teller, and then you've got, you know, Redmond, and then Elianusi's been given a second chance. And, you know, you've then even got Gineppo, who I know Ralph says he might be a left back, but I think we, we'd all like him a little bit further up the pitch, uh, where he can be a little bit more dangerous. Um, there's just too many players in that position. On Thomas Delaney, um, he's a name who I can't find anything out about um, to the point where I, I think in one of the latter press conferences last season, I just said to Ralph, Ralph, I'm going to name a name, Thomas Delaney. Um, he just said, that's not a position we're looking at. Um, he didn't say no to Delaney. He just said no to a central midfielder. Now, that was when he thought that Mario Lamina would be coming back. And he thought Lamina would stay. Uh, they tried to keep Lamina. Lamina made very clear um, with his actions that he wanted to go. Uh, so he went. Uh, and now, yeah, we've got we've got three central midfielders, four if you include um, Stuart Armstrong, who probably we all prefer, again, to be a little bit further on the pitch. So, yeah, I think there probably is going to be... I think the two positions they'll look for now will probably be a central midfielder and a striker. Uh, I'd say they're the two big boxes to tick. Um and yeah, Delaney's been on holiday with Yannick Vestergaard and they've been chilling in the pool together. So, you know, who knows? Um, but as I say, it's, it's not something I've heard is happening. But, you know, he, he once again, that's another player that ticks quite a lot of the boxes. On the uh,
0: the striker position, another name that's been cropped up and has been asked is uh, Kolo Mwani. And I think I saw on uh, on Twitter the other day. He has a ridiculous amount of representatives, and that should be, a, could be a deal to stay well away from. Um, that one has cropped up a couple of times this window. Is is there anything on that? Uh, it doesn't seem to be by the shaking of your head. It's sort of like shut
2: that one down straight away. No, it's not. It's not one I've actually heard anything on. Uh, look, one of the big things that I've I've learned doing this job is that when I used to, here's a little anecdote for you that might sum it up perfectly. When I used to work at Coventry City. Oh, I'm not sure if I can actually say this. I, I, I'll, I'll Okay, I'll, I'll twist it a little bit so that you, you get the gist of the story, but I don't reveal too much. So we, I used to sit on a desk that was quite close to the, um, to the head of recruitment um, and the amount of phone calls that they would have with players, not players, with players, agents, uh, with manage, former managers of players, it was constant. They, there was There's so many, and this is a football club at the time, we're in League Two. So many players on their on their list. Um to the point where sometimes it's just we'll give him a call. We'll ask one of his four managers. Is he any good? No? Okay. Cross that one off the list. There's so many players on that list that I think a lot of these names that we hear sometimes maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just, you know, hang on. That that striker's 19. That striker's done this last season. Wonder if he's available. You 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 check it, you test the waters, and then other other better players are further up the list and you go somewhere with that and you never think about that player again but all it takes is one person on the other end of the phone to to tip that to a journalist and all of a sudden Southampton are looking at him Um, I'm not saying that's the case with this specific player um, but it's not a player I've heard really anything about Um, but I think there's probably so many players on especially a Premier League club when you look at the size of the recruitment department at Southampton and they recruited this summer uh, with even more uh, analysts to help the recruitment department so the amount of players they must go through over a weekly basis and probably a few phone calls to different clubs here and there you could probably report two or three new players every single day if you if you were on the inside
1: well thanks thanks for that one Um, eddie sfc sounds like one that probably won't come about although like tom said typical uh to, to to rule something out but so many players on a list for a particular position and there will be obviously a preference and, and it sounds like you know Adam Armstrong is, is probably near the top of that list and then if I guess if you can't get one then you've got plan B and plan C and that certainly sounded like that was the case when we were trying to get that full cover certainly in January uh, potentially in the summer before as well and it never came about and we ended up with Minamino who's the winger but um, th- those are those are the the names that we've received um just just from from listeners and, and just wanted to get your thoughts on them um you mentioned about getting back to St Mary's and how you look forward to seeing crowds and everything like that sort of the first real chance for many fans is uh is tomorrow night as we record this it's Tuesday night we've got Levante of course we, we've then got um Bill Bow on Saturday. Tomorrow, pre-season at St Mary's, it's always quite similar. Well, there's always a camp somewhere. There are always a lot of away games. And then usually there's one, maybe two games the week before, 10 days before the season starts where fans get the chance for the first time. Usually it's only a month or six weeks since they've been able to get in the stadium and, and um, they're thirsty for more. For a lot of fans, it's been a, a bloody lot longer than that. Uh, you get the chance to to see new signings for the first time, um, in the likes of Perro, um, and the two Chelsea lads potentially could could be involved. I just want I wanted to ask you firstly what your thoughts were on um, our other two new signings. You know we've talked a lot about Liveramento. Uh, what what do you expect to see from um, from the other incomings? And then also um, a question which. I'm interested in as well from Michael Donald was of the youngsters that we've got coming through, and you and you did mention, you know, spoken to the likes of Raddy Jaidi and we've mentioned a few that are maybe early 20s, like the Tellers and, and those sorts of players. But is there is there a name or two that you, you'd maybe say sort of watch this space and that might be in and around the squad um this season?
2: Yeah. So firstly on the on the two uh other new signings. So we've got Perrod, who looks quite strong so far, really. I think it's easy to forget that he's, he's only 23. Uh, he could still be playing for 6 B if he wanted to. Um, he looks good. To be honest, good going forward and good good defensively, too. Um, he's not by any means been exceptional so far. Um, but one thing I will say about him is that throughout the deal to sign him, um, got some really good information from, from contacts on his side that were saying that he flew off to Greece and had a training camp uh, basically, with the instruction to his personal trainer being, "Get me ready for the Premier League." Um, so, what we've got there is a player who really wants it. Um, yeah, I think he's a player who ha- also hasn't really played ninety minutes yet in pre-season. So, you know, over the two games now, hopefully he will. I'm probably ex- I'm, I'm expecting a little bit more of a serious, you know, starting eleven and a a game really from the next two because um, they're probably going to be t- treated like like competitive games, um, whereas the other ones have been about getting minutes in the tank. Uh, Simiou, um, don't expect to see him, I don't think, uh, in the two friendlies. He'll be with Saints-B. Uh, he may well play tonight. Uh, we're recording this, as you said, on, on Tuesday night, and, and Southampton B got a friendly tonight against Salisbury. I think it is. Um, he may well play tonight. He didn't play against Tottenham. Uh, that was uh, Lancashire around. Tizard with the two at the back. Um, so, whether they were playing play that game, maybe, but I wouldn't expect to see him in the first team. Although Liveramento has been told he's first team, Simi has been told he's going to be first team soon, but not right now. Um,
1: the and the then, other question was ju- just about the youth, and I'll bring up a tweet that you did uh, just 24 hours ago about how Southampton could, could put a pretty handy starting 11 uh, of under-23s together. Sort of, uh, yeah, of, of those kind of players and, and maybe the youngsters that we've not heard an awful lot about, have you got any uh, tips, in your opinion, for, for players that could really come through in this season?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of the players on that on that tweet I did, most people have probably heard a lot about already. Um, so maybe nothing new to hear me say that, you know, Nathan Teller is a very good footballer. Um, in terms of slightly younger ones, a player who probably would have played during this pre-season uh, if it wasn't for the Olympics is Caleb Watts, who uh, I in my pre-season preview, which... Um, those who have ordered it should be getting it pretty soon um, that, that Hampshire Live is sending out to, to everyone's houses um, he's the one I, I speak about as being the one to watch over the next kind of 12 months to get a few more minutes under his belt um, just such a technically gifted player um, he's, he's bulked up a lot over the last kind of 18 months um, he looks even bigger now than he did against Shrewsbury and that was only what, six, seven months ago and um, a game where he played against League One opposition, got a couple of nutmegs in there, a couple of really nice deliveries into the box. I think he played a big part in the goal too, Daniel Lundeloo's goal. goal. Um, so there's him. Uh, there's also Ryan Finnegan, who's been around the first team picture for a long time. Uh, he's been training with the first team pretty much for a year now. Um, he got on the pitch against Swansea for a little bit. There's him. And I think the reason I want to say him is because we know at the minute that we're a little bit light in the middle. Uh, we've lost Alex Yankovic. Uh, and I think Finnegan's going to be the man who steps into that Yankovic role as being at the minute he's, he's he's fourth slash fifth choice central midfielder. So um, yeah, there's also him. Uh, if we're going to get even younger, um, there's um, Pierce, who the club got from Warsaw, who looked really good striker, uh, and Will Tizard too, club scholar of the year. He's a centre back, um, been with the club a long time. Um, he's hoping this season to be a pretty pretty regular player for Saints B. So. He'll play alongside Simiyu or Lancashire, depending on how much Ollie Lancashire plays. Um, and yeah, hopefully, if he can kick on, he might be rising with Simiyu uh, into the first team um, in, in 12 months' time. That's really interesting. And whilst we're just sort of
0: almost wrapping up the bit about transfers, I wanted to ask you potentially. Obviously, we've got we're calling on Tuesday. We've got about a week and a half until the game against Everton. Now, I don't want to be greedy because we've just announced a fairly decent signing, a bit of a, a bit of a coup. Is there anything, to your knowledge, potentially, where you think that we could have another new face by the time Saints gear up
2: against Everton? Well, look, I think we can learn a lot from what happened with Liveramento. So, we know that Southampton are... Uh, how did Ralph word it? I think he said, we've got our fingers in the market. I think he meant to say, in pies, is the saying, isn't it? But... <laughs> Uh, he said he's got fingers in the market. So there's loads of deals that they'll be, they'll be you know, on the edge of. Um, he says a lot about keeping our eyes open uh, because, you know, Liveramento sums up perfectly that an opportunity that they think is going to pass them by can just all of a sudden swing in their favor and then they can get that deal done. Um, that's probably the position that Southampton has sat at right now. Uh, there's probably a lot of deals that they're on the edge of. And all it takes is for one of them to slightly swing in their favour. And within 48 hours, you could see another player in a Southampton shirt. So it's definitely possible that there could be more signings done before that first game. Uh, and I'll, I'm also expecting, uh, to be honest, August to, you know, liven up a little bit. We've not seen that much happen in general across the Premier League, apart from Villa uh, and the newly promoted clubs, who obviously, you know, they've not been as stung by the pandemic because they've just had a lot of money from the budget they're usually operating with in the Championship, they just have a lot of money come into their bank from, from the promotion to the Premier League. So, they've not been stung so badly. That's why you've seen Norwich make a lot of sign-ins and Brentford, whose squad doesn't look brilliant, but they've at least made a few sign-ins. Um, so, besides them, there's not been that much activity. So, we could end up seeing now pretty much a transfer window played out over four weeks um, between now and August. Um, especially if, as we spoke about earlier, some money starts flying around from here and there for certain players. Um, but yeah, just take for those worrying that our deals aren't going to be done. I'd say just just take what happened with Livramento. Um, it only took hours for that deal to go from nothing is happening, nothing to expect. Don't worry. to we're announcing a player tomorrow, so you know it, it can happen pretty quick.
1: And I know you've you've been covering the club for um, a couple of years now, and and obviously our listeners have been following the club for a long time. But Southampton have always been a club that have. Held their cards close to their chest when it comes to transfers. It's a lot of clubs you know of interest. You know things are going to potentially happen long before they do. The amount of times Tom that we've seen before, where suddenly we're, we're releasing something from the club, and only only half an hour to an hour before, have the rumours even started on on online. Um, the club do tend to be quite good at that. And that's all. That's also because. Like you said earlier, we need to be because we're we don't have we're not able to splash the splash the cash and say oh well we'll outbid you we'll outbid you if if someone's available you want to keep it to yourself, and and see where that goes. Um, just just before we we wrap this up, a couple of questions. I did just want to ask um, as we were mentioning some of those youth players that we're already well aware of. Will Smallbone is one of those, and always look to be a central midfield option um, and then Ralph came in and, and often played him as in that shoot Stuart Armstrong right number 10 position he's had a long injury um, Ollie was just asking on Twitter if you've got any update as to his progress and potentially where do you see him fitting in uh, it, it, is he a number 10 or could he be in the central midfield as, as a bit of backup if if we can't get anyone else
2: I think Ralph sees him as a 10. Um, just from things he said last season Uh, he's got that little bit of height that offers something just completely different in that number 10 position you know you can it it helps with McCarthy's distribution to have a taller player out there at times Um, so I think he probably sees him as a number 10 Um, in terms of his injury uh, obviously it's a long one Uh, I think He's not far away. I know that much. And when it, I'm, I think it's September, October time was their their last kind of prediction. But that was early days. Um, he, it's one of the ones that we'll be asking about when when press conferences get get rolling again. Um, obviously, as you can imagine at the minute, and I've, I've said earlier in earlier in the podcast that it's not something I particularly love. But so much of our time is taken up on transfers at the moment that things like that kind of go amiss, and unless you're getting. Uh, Jay Vokins, it was, his, his was pretty clear. You could chase it up because it was a surgery, and you know it's, it's important to update fans on that kind of thing. But small bone, I'd say probably September, October time.
0: And you say that when you are, um, you know, you've been you've been covering Saints, you almost feel a bit like you're invested, almost a bit like a fan yourself. I wanted to ask you your thoughts as a sort of neutral on the upcoming season because I know throughout the summer. And still now, loads of people have been almost tearing their hair out, thinking that we're nailed on for relegation. I know the form from January onwards last season doesn't help that. But from your perspective, as a neutral watching on, do you think it's that bad or this is actually a decent squad that maybe just, just overachieved significantly in that first half? I think it's...
2: I don't think it's as bad as we're going down. Definitely not. Uh, I think that there's a lot of very good players in there. And I think there's also a lot of players in there who would really benefit from having the opportunity to do a good full preseason under the manager, uh, a manager who we know works them hard. I think he worked them hard last season um, during a year where preseason was so disrupted. Uh, half of Staplewood was shut. Long term and in- midterm injuries were long term injuries, short term injuries were midterm injuries. Um, and I think having a good full preseason under them, um, look, I think 83% on that fan hope survey said they're behind Ralph Hasnut, and I don't think there's really too many reasons not to be. Um, people will say he's not got a plan B, but that's because his he knows his plan A is so good when it does work. Um, the crop of players in terms of squad doesn't feel much bigger than it did last season after all the talk about getting a bigger squad, but there's still time to go. Um, and really, they only ever needed three or four players just to offer support in those key areas was all they really wanted to take them the next step forward. Um, I don't think it's as bad as relegation. I think... I don't know if I'll be more nervous if they make an amazing start again or less nervous knowing how the second half of last season went. Um but I think they're looking at other squads. I think there's, other, there's too many other teams in there that have got worse problems um, than Southampton. Um, but that's, that's kind of Southampton under Ralph in the Premier League. You don't know if they're going to be amazing or if things are going to kind of unravel. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I know that top half remains the aim. Um, it's not let's survive. It's still let's get top half. So there's obviously a lot of belief there. And I think if players like Danny Ings are in fine form, Vestergaard as good as he was during the first half of last season where he was influential. Uh, I think the fullback areas are strong. Uh, we know how good Ward Prowse is and Oriel Romeo is. And then if Nathan Teller is as good as he's looked during preseason, then there's going to be a lot of creativity in there as well. So, um, And also, that's not even mentioned mentioning Che Adams, who I think has been really good during preseason. And I think he had a really good season last season. Maybe not as many goals or misses too many sitters, to be honest. Um, but everything else that he does in his game is so good. Um, so I think it's a squad that a few clubs will envy and there's definitely a lot of players in there that other clubs will envy as well
1: I think a lot of the pessimism is because we went so long without getting a win in the Premier League you know, this 2021 has been pretty dire in terms of results you're hoping that hangover doesn't kind of carry over into this season where we do have a difficult start first six, seven, eight games are quite tough if we come out of those with with minimal points and are down the bottom end, then you, you just hope that that doesn't get to the fans, get to the players. They still believe in in what they're doing. Uh, and and although you mentioned, you know, the squad doesn't look that much better, we are we we seem to be holding on to players that we otherwise thought we could do without in terms of quality, like the likes of Long. Um, mm-hmm. Elian is is a, is a really interesting one and I know fans are hopeful that he can kind of bring his form from last season into this season. So we, we, we've seen when we've got a fit 11, a first 11 is is strong. We're a match for anyone under the way Arsenal plays. So only when those injuries came in and then the season will be, I suppose I said it before to, to Tom on another podcast, but our, our season will be less congested. We won't be playing two games a week, every week. And those injuries, like you said, when someone's only out for four or five games usually, are out for 10 games because they're coming around so thick and fast and they haven't got the recovery facilities. You know, that's, touch wood, that's behind us. So I, th- I think, yeah, I think mainly due to the, the that kind of recency effect and the fact that we we've seen us play really poorly for such a long time. And I know it's only pre-season, but I thought we looked really good against both uh, Cardiff and Swansea. And I'm just hopeful that if we can put in a good couple of displays over the next few days against those Spanish sides, that suddenly in front of our own fans, there might be a little bit more optimism going into it. Because we've, if we add a couple more players into that squad to just up the quality a little bit, we, we could be in a in a decent uh, a decent position. Um, just one last question um, that's come into us and, and you mentioned it's been a common theme of our discussions, what with transfers and the, maybe the lack of budget and, uh, and and things like that stemming from the owner. And I know we're not the only ones, this transfer window in the past 18 months where the funds have dried up a bit and it's understandable, but there is a lot of frustration with the lack of um, input financially from our owners. Uh, we've heard a lot of talk from within a club previously where it's, you know, we need to make money to spend money. And that's been the case for a few windows. Um, Josh on Twitter has just asked, there was talk and it seems to have quietened down about potential sale of a club and new owners. And I don't think there's too much fresh information on it now um and you know don't need to ask you about your your thoughts on the current ownership in the regime because that wouldn't be fair but what are your personal thoughts on maybe the the short term and long term future of the club and do you think that there there could be a change of ownership and a, and a change of um strengthening i suppose of our financial position in future markets
2: yeah i think one thing that I always think, this has been a thing for years, though, to be honest, um, with with football clubs, is just who would buy a football club? I mean, it's so difficult to make money. It's incredibly difficult to do it for a long time without hemming, um, without well, honest, pouring away cash. Um, what I will say about the current owner, uh, and this is what Southampton say on him, is that he doesn't take any money away from the club. And there are a lot of owners that do that. He doesn't take money away from the club. He lets the club continue. Um, he's put money into the club before. And he he lets them, you know, if they sell a player for a lot of money, he lets the club keep that to continue to operate. And it's and it's it is then allowed to be spent on not just players, but there's a lot of things that, that the club have to spend on, such as, such as even just wages, um, improvements to St. Mary's that are happening quite soon. Um, in terms of a sale, it's not something that I've heard anything about. In, in any recent weeks or months. Um, I know what you say about the reports that were there before, but they seem to have quickly died out. Um, I've always been, I mean, I'm uh, from covering Coventry City before. Um, I know how often names pop up and fans get excited. And then all of a sudden the name's gone or the next thing you see that name in the newspaper doing something obscene and all of a sudden he's not interested in the club anymore. And, you know, what I will say about um, club sales and new owners is that it's very rarely the guy who goes to the newspaper and tells them that they're going to buy the club that buys the club. Um, Quite often the names that you hear about all over the place are not knuckling down and putting the money together and and launching a bid for the club. They're normally too busy telling the newspapers that it's going to happen. Um, That's something I saw a lot with Coventry, not something I've seen with Southampton yet. Um, But as I say, I'm still, to be honest, in my infancy of covering the club in a way. Um, and building those kind of context to get that that side of things, but we know the situation with the current owner. Um, he bought the club, uh, was advised to buy the club, and now he's been told that he not to own the club in a way by by his by his government. Um, and he's now in a situation where you know if a, if a, if a if a buyer comes in and puts the money up, he'll sell it. Um, but I think all he can do at the moment is just all the club can do is continue to operate as they are. They they spend the money that they make and. That's the challenge in a way. And I know that it's something that I've heard Ralph say in the past is in a way a fun challenge. Um, it makes the the wins that they get and being top of the league even more rewarding for them. So
1: thank difficult, you. Difficult, difficult time to uh sell a club, and buy a club at the moment with, with everything that's that's going on. And interesting to speak to you as a Coventry fan, because many moons ago uh we wanted to to sell our club to uh CC. to a man who ended up but, yeah, a company who ended up buying Coventry, and uh, and you know, it's unfortunate as that was for Coventry, Southampton uh, really got away with one. So it's about finding the right owner before just jumping ship. Because uh, sometimes you don't, uh, <laughs> your, your fingers can be burnt a little bit by uh, by jumping too soon onto onto a thinking the grass is greener on the other side when it's when it's really not. Um. We've kept you for long enough, Tom. We really appreciate you uh, coming on. I think our listeners will really appreciate during this, this window um, and these uh, with only 10 days until football comes to, hopefully this can, um, can fill an hour or so of, of, of their time. Uh, really good to hear some information, some great little insights on, on players that have come in um, and, and all those rumors that are flying about. And, uh, and hopefully you, you, uh, you enjoy this season even more than last season, with uh, it being a little bit more of a, almost an introduction to Southampton Football Club in many ways. And you can see it for what it for what it really is. Hopefully, starting tomorrow uh, against Levante. So, thanks for coming on. Um, we do really appreciate it, and uh, and hopefully, we'll be in touch um, in the future.
2: Yeah, brilliant, thank you. Yeah, he really does feel like I've covered. 38 training sessions so far so it will be good to hopefully from tomorrow onwards start covering some games with a little bit of atmosphere so yeah really looking forward to it
0: thank you so much for coming on tom if you want to find tom on twitter you can find him at tom leach hl uh if you want to find the podcast on twitter you can find us at under underscore saints if you want to find myself it's at t214 murray
1: you can find me at Callum wilson 21
0: thank you very much for listening have a good evening